Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered for all the odds, props, promos, and parlays during the biggest gambling week of the year, March Madness, rounds one and two. It should be a national holiday. You can use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is a fantabulous Friday, March 17th. Happy, happy St. Patrick's Day to all of you here tuning in. Maybe it's not St. Patrick's Day because you, however and whenever you might be listening, we appreciate you stopping in. Oh my goodness, it is day one of March Madness here on the Take It Easy podcast. Every year on this day, we have done a March Madness day one recap because March Madness used to be the sport that I was super, super obsessed with as a child. I used to say that my favorite holidays of the year were the days when at school you got to watch college basketball all day long. You would watch it during the day in your classes. You'd watch it during the day in the library at lunch. You'd get home and you'd watch four more college basketball games. It was an obsessive run through the college basketball world and every year... The Thursday of March Madness is always the day when you get that rush of adrenaline from watching 18 hours of sports in a row. And this year we have a special March Madness edition of the Take It Easy podcast. This is the fourth year that we've done the Take It Easy podcast, third year that there's been a March Madness because during the COVID-19 pandemic, March Madness got canceled altogether. And this year is a special year because for the first time, We are going to be partaking in the Thursday of March Madness, live at March Madness. Today on the show, as you may have guessed from the title, we are going to be live in Sacramento, California, broadcasting from March Madness. Now, usually the Thursday and Friday of March Madness are exciting because... You get to sit at home or at work and watch four games at once, and that's obviously a fun part of March Madness. And there's going to be 16 games that we talk about today. There's three number one seeds playing in today's March Madness slate. You've got Alabama playing, you've got, I believe, Purdue playing, and you've got Houston playing all on the first day 
of March Madness. So there's a lot of basketball going on. I'm sorry, not Purdue, Kansas, not Purdue. I had that almost right. Uh, Kansas plays today as a number one seed. You've got number two seed UCLA playing in prime time, and you've got number two seed Arizona, who I will be watching today at March Madness. Last year, we went and watched round two with TCU in Arizona. The year before, we went to the final four and watched Jalen Suggs hit that half-court game winner against UCLA. It's really one of the only cool sports moments I can say I was there live for, that and the San Diego Goose. All of that has been our March Madness in the past. This year, our March Madness is going to be the first two days of the tournament. We've experienced day four in the second round. We've experienced the final four, and this year we're going to go live from Sacramento to watch some college basketball. And like I said, we're going to get three number one seeds, a couple number... um, UCLA and Arizona on the number two lines. We're going to get San Diego State taking on Charleston today. We're going to get Gonzaga as the number three seed playing today. There's going to be all sorts of fun and wild college basketball going on, and I'm really excited that we get to be live on scene for March Madness here in 2023. So the first day of March Madness, we're going to have 16 games sprinkled in all throughout this broadcast, and we're going to be broadcasting live from the first two games in Sacramento. Missouri, as the 7 seed, is playing Utah State, the 10 seed, and then we've got Arizona taking on Princeton. I get to watch Princeton basketball today, so those are the two games we chose, and throughout the day, we're going to be sprinkling in content from all the other 16, uh, all the other 14 games taking place on the first day of March Madness. So here on the Take It Easy podcast, there's only one way to kick off our March Madness coverage for 2023, and that is with the theme song of the tournament, which is, of course, March Madness by Future. It's not One Shining Moment, although that's a banger of a song. It is not the CBS March Madness theme song. No, it is one. It is none of that. It is March Madness by Future, an absolute banger that should be the song that replaces One Shining Moment. All right, everybody, we are live outside the Golden One Center in downtown Sacramento, the home for four of your first day matchups here on March Madness. We got the privilege of going to the first two games, and boy, it did not disappoint. We're recording this after the first eight games finished, and we're going to break all eight down real quick here on the show. The second part of the show is going to be the final eight games, but while we're here in Sacramento, let's break down everything that we saw here in the first eight games of March Madness. So let's start this off with the big game of the day. Even if it goes out of order a little bit, I think talking about the big upset is uh, the more pressing conversation here because we got the privilege of watching a 15 seed from the Ivy League travel from New Jersey to California, take on the Pac-12 champions 
number six overall seed, Arizona Wildcats, and Princeton won while shooting 16% from the three-point line. A college basketball 15 seed won a tournament game while shooting, at one point late in the game, 36% from the field. It was absolutely incredible and ridiculous, and I can't believe they won while playing so poorly. So, as this game was going on, at halftime it was 30-31 to 31 between Princeton and Arizona, and the whole time in the first half, I just kept thinking to myself, man, Princeton's had so many opportunities to catch Arizona. Because they were playing really good defense. They missed like four shots at the rim and a bunch of three-pointers right before the half. And it was just so frustrating. So for those who don't know how the, the March Madness format works, because March Madness is such a made-for-television event and they put four games on at the same time, we were watching Princeton and Arizona with about the stadium 60% full. It's not really a sellout crowd. I got tickets for two games for a total of $10, which is less than I pay for like high school tournaments back in my hometown. Like th these tickets are ridiculously cheap because they don't fill out the arena. And so watching this Princeton versus Arizona game it was interesting to watch how, yes, there was a bunch of Arizona fans and they filled out a nice little student section, but it was so interesting to watch as this game was going along that everyone in the crowd started going for Princeton. And because I've been to March Madness games before, but I've never been to March Madness games where you have a team who is such a, a dramatic underdog potentially pulling off the upset. Like, I went to TCU against Arizona in San Diego last year, and while that game went to overtime and was crazy, most people were pulling for Arizona just because there was a lot of Arizona fans at the game. And so, as I'm watching this play out, everyone starts shifting their energy towards Princeton. There's a nice little Princeton student, or a fan section, that came over from New Jersey, and Obviously, there are people who are there just from Sacramento who, like me, wanted $10 tickets so they could go watch the game, or in my case, to go cover the games. And as this second half rolls along, and we talked about how Princeton was struggling to get buckets early, they shot 19% from three-point line at halftime. They actually finished the game worse from the three-point line at the end. They were 4 for 25, 16% shooting from the three-point line, and Princeton was just playing great defense. Like, Arizona had no answers on their offense, and they basically went multiple stretches of the, multiple five-minute stretches of the game without scoring a basket. Their only points came at the free-throw line, and it was just so frustrating because I was just like, God, if Princeton just had a not-atrocious offensive game, they would be able to beat, they would be able to beat Arizona, the two seed, pretty handily in the same way like UMBC was the first one seed to ever, or first 16 seed to ever beat a one seed and they just absolutely crushed Virginia. 
Princeton should have won that game kind of easily, and they just were so bad on offense that it was just frustrating to watch it happen. But as they started getting a basket, and then they sent it to their big guy, I forgot his name, but again, a lot of these people are nameless at this point. He had a very long last name. He's from England. And as they just kept getting the basket inside and going from down nine to down seven to down five to down two, the crowd shifted over to Princeton, which makes sense because this is the, it makes sense that they would all want the 15 seed to beat the two. I just didn't expect that it would be everyone against Arizona the way that it was when we're rooting for Princeton to pull off the 15-2 upset, which of course I was rooting to pull off the 15-2 upset. You could just destroy my entire bracket and I would root for the 15 versus two upset because I think rooting for the gigantic upset is part of the reason why we actually like March Madness. And even though I don't like March Madness as much as I did as a kid where I was obsessed with it, Part of the reasons are, oh, you get the cool moment where this tiny school, I know Princeton's not a tiny school, so it's a little less exciting in that case, but like the Furman versus Virginia game, when you get the tiny school that beats the big guys and you get to celebrate, like it was just super cool to watch a 15 seed win for the third year in a row in dramatic fashion against a two seed. Last year was St. Peter's over Kentucky. The year before was Oral Roberts and Ohio State. And both of those teams ended up making deeper runs. Oral Roberts made the Sweet 16. St. Peter's made the Elite Eight last year. And now Princeton gets to be the team that beat a two seed. And I got to watch it live. I have videos of the final plays of the game where Arizona just kept throwing up bricks. I want to say Arizona scored four total points in the last six minutes of the game. That's going to be my guess on that one because they were up the entire game. Princeton didn't take their first lead until like three minutes left in the game and they never gave it back because Arizona just didn't score any points in the final six minutes and Princeton's defense was on point and their offense was not on point. And somehow, I mean, this is just kind of how random this college basketball stuff can be. A a 15 seed that shot 16% from the three-point line and under 40% from the field ended up winning their March Madness game. So I got to watch Princeton beat Arizona live in Sacramento. It was wild, it was fun, and it is the upset of the tournament thus far after a fourth of the first round matchups. Because remember, we're recording this after the first eight games. We don't know what's happening in the final eight games, but we do know what happened in the first eight. And the story of all of March Madness is Arizona losing to Princeton, a two seed losing to a 15 seed, and that 15 seed shooting 16 fucking percent from the three-point line. All right, so this is one of my favorite parts of March Madness every year, and I actually got to experience it this year. So March Madness is a made-for-television event, and as I mentioned earlier, stadiums are about 60% full. There was the viral video last year of, I think it was Arizona's first tournament game, where there was an entire section that was empty in San Diego for their first-round game, because this is, March Madness makes a billion dollars because it's a made-for-television event. And because it's a made-for-television event, there are multiple games going on at the same time, and people are watching on their phones, people are watching on TVs in the concourse, and what they do during the broadcast of March Madness is whenever there's a close game, they'll simulcast it on the television, 
in the in the arena, the big screen in the arenas. And so this year, the game at the end was Furman against Virginia. And at the same time, just because of how it worked out, Maryland and West Virginia were coming down to the end. Both games at the exact same time were coming down to the final two minutes. And they're going back and forth in the broadcast. And, and on, the, on the screen, it was during halftime of the first game that I went to, which was Missouri and Utah State, which was Missouri winning. And if your bracket wasn't already broken, congratulations. You now have a broken bracket because the 7-10 matchups are basically coin tosses. And what's funny about March Madness is you had, in this case, a 13 versus a 4 in Furman against Virginia, and you had an 8 versus 9 between Maryland and West Virginia. And we talked to Razor Rosenthal about this on Wednesday, which is basically just flip a coin on every 8-9 game. There's no science behind it. There's no logic behind it. There was a freezing cold takes post about how 21 of 22 college basketball analysts picked West Virginia to beat Maryland because West Virginia was the favorite. The The numbers supported West Virginia winning. Ken Palm had West Virginia ahead of Maryland. And the reason it's a coin flip is that entire game could be bogged down to here's at one 30-foot shot for the for the game. I would argue that's pretty close to 50-50 odds on you get one 30-foot shot if you make it, you win. If you miss it, you don't. And it happened twice in the span of five minutes at the arena of a separate March Madness game as we're watching Maryland and West Virginia come down to one 30-foot shot for the win that West Virginia misses and one 30-foot shot that Furman makes against Virginia. And that basically just sums up the entire March Madness is flip a coin on both of those games. Does the 30-foot shot go in? On one of them, the 30-foot shot did not go in, and West Virginia lost. Or Maryland won, depending on who you had. And on the, the other side, the 30-foot shot went in for Furman, and Furman wins, and Virginia loses. If I flip those results, the West Virginia 30-footer goes in, and the Furman 30-footer goes out, you basically get the same result and two different teams advancing because you get West Virginia with the buzzer beater that rings across one shining moment for the rest of the tournament because theirs was literally at the buzzer. There would have been zero seconds on the clock and they would have hit a buzzer beater. Thrill of victory, agony of defeat. It's the video that we play all throughout one shining moment. And on the other side, you would have had Virginia surviving on a last second shot by Furman and that poor kid who threw the ball down the court immediately to Furman so much so that the player who got the game-winning shot couldn't believe that he chucked the ball down the court to a Furman player with a two-point lead you flip the results of that that kid gets saved Furman is the team that gets the agony of defeat and being so close to having your once-in-a-lifetime March Madness moment, and Virginia survives to inevitably go on and lose to either San Diego State or Alabama. If you flip the results of the coin toss, it's basically the same results. Just two different teams advancing, you get the same March Madness moments, you get West Virginia 
over hunkered over on the floor upset that they lose this game and on the other side you get Furman in elation and Virginia crying because they threw the game away I think you got the the more wild result because you had a 13 beat a four on the four basically throwing the game away if you flip the results it's not going to be all that different in terms of experience and the games literally happened within five minutes of each other. For my personal vantage point in Sacramento, I would have gotten a game in which we were all collectively sitting in the stands at halftime and watching a game-winning buzzer beater in March Madness at another arena. And when Furman hit that shot against Virginia, the 11,000 people at the arena all screamed at the same time like it was a game-winning shot in the game that we were watching in real life. And I would have gotten that moment with West Virginia hitting a buzzer beater to advance against Maryland. And on the flip side, it would have been Furman who gives the aww at the end as everyone's sitting in the crowd, just like they did when West Virginia missed that shot. So yeah, it was super cool, super fun, and all of these games are basically coin tosses. The thing I learned this year is that March Madness is so hard to predict because all of these teams are so close to each other. They are all so close to each other in one-game sample sizes. Because like I talked about earlier, if a 15 seed can beat a 2 seed while the 15 seed shoots 16% from 3-point range and less than 40% from the field, basically anyone can win any of these games in March Madness. And most of these games that are so close, which Maryland, West Virginia, ridiculously close game, Furman and uh, Virginia, not as close, and yet a game that also just came right down to a last-second buzzer beater, all of these games are so close to each other that they're basically coin tosses. And for the rest of the tournament, I mean, I'm looking at the games the rest of the day. Boise State and Northwestern, flip a coin to decide that one. Penn State and Texas A&M flip a coin to determine that one. All these games are so close. They're so evenly matched. And I've got a great feeling about Auburn beating Iowa in the 9-8 matchup that's basically a coin toss because March Madness is stupid and my analysis sounds like complaining because we're trying to find nuanced takes on literal coin tosses. Literally flip a coin to decide. You take one 30-foot shot. You, you make a 30-foot shot or you miss a 30-foot shot. If you make the shot, put that team down on your bracket. If you miss the shot, put the other team down on your bracket. That's basically would have been more helpful analysis than trying to bet on Maryland, West Virginia, and Furman and Virginia. It was incredibly entertaining because these games are basically coin tosses, and when you add the stakes of winner advances and you're the loser, the season's over, we're all going to get excited by the stakes of one shot, 30 feet, make it, you win, miss it, you lose. We're all going to be excited by that. Miss it, your basketball career is over. Make it, you get to live for another day and celebrate a lifetime achievement memory. When we're talking about those kinds of stakes, of course we're going to be interested in that shit. Because the storylines, even if we don't know any of the players on any of the teams, the stakes are so intense of, hey, this is your entire season and your the pinnacle of your basketball career. One 30-foot shot for to continue playing, miss a 30-foot shot, and it's over. You know, years and years of work comes down to one 30-foot shot. Of course we're going to love those kinds of stakes, even when it's on the backs of unpaid labor. 
And even when you can't name any more than five players in the entire tournament of unpaid laborers, and even when the winning team of the biggest upset of the year shoots 16% from the three-point line, which I can't get over how Princeton won while shooting 16% from the three-point line. All right, so we broke down the biggest, most intriguing games of the day. Two of them came down to the wire within five minutes, and that is two more games than the rest of the day provided in terms of enticing storylines. So... All the one seeds won pretty easily. No 16 seed challenge. A one seed. Alabama beat the shit out of Corpus Christi. Kansas ended up whooping, I think it was Howard. And Houston is going to go on and beat Northern Kentucky by not really anything close. Just so uh, we're keeping track of time now, the day's getting close to being done here. It's about 7.30 West Coast time. We have returned from our journey to Golden One Center in Sacramento, and we are now reconvening at our podcasting studio, which is my studio apartment. So, yeah, all the one seeds won today pretty easily. No one challenged a one seed. Shout out to Norse of Northern Kentucky. Auburn did end up beating Iowa. I had a hunch about Auburn beating Iowa, and I was correct. Auburn beat them pretty easily. It was uh, the, the easiest of the 8-9 matchups during the day today was Iowa beating up on... Or, sorry, Auburn beating up on Iowa. It's been a long day, man. I'm just trying to concentrate, focus, get through this, and uh, we can make it to the weekend, which begins with 14 more hours of basketball. Arkansas beat up on Illinois. I didn't really watch any of that game except for what was shown on the Jumbotron at Golden 1 Center in between Princeton beating Arizona. Arkansas beat them up good. Then we get the Kansas-Arkansas matchup. That'll be kind of fun in the next round. Something funny with wordplay. San Diego State didn't mess it up. Congratulations, San Diego State. You didn't mess it up for once. I'm so used to San Diego State always losing in the first round when they're supposed to be great. And they play in a region this year where Furman ended up advancing over Virginia. So now San Diego State gets to play against Furman in the second round. It's their best chance to make the Sweet 16 since the year that they were in the second round and lost to 15-seed Florida Gulf Coast. Because don't think you're out of the water yet, San Diego State. Furman can totally beat you in the second round because I have watched way too much San Diego State basketball to know. They are never clear. When you think they're going to win, they will not. You always got to keep an eye out for old sneaky San Diego State. But they didn't mess it up. I was pleasantly surprised. And I've talked about this before. I grew up five minutes away from San Diego State. It was the college sports team that I identified with as a child. And we're not really on the greatest of terms right now with San Diego State because the athletic director is culpable for overseeing a culture that may have at best exhibited gross negligence and at worst covered up sexual assault by Matt Areza. So not really want to show off the San Diego State love right now. They just didn't mess up this game against College of Charleston. And now they will play against Furman, the 13 seed. I have no confidence that they will beat Furman. 
the 13 seed because I've seen them lose to 15 seed Florida Gulf Coast in a game that would have sent them to the Sweet 16. So congratulations, San Diego State, for not messing that one up. What else went on? I got to watch Missouri play Utah State. Missouri beat them pretty easily. I was kind of disappointed because Utah State was the sneaky, trendy team that the experts were favorites on, and they had been the 14th ranked team in the country since February 1st, according to Ken Palm. And uh, nope, Utah State got ran out the building by Missouri, and that was the first game that I would have watched which I thought was going to still end up being better than the (laughs) Princeton-Arizona game, and then Princeton ended up beating Arizona. So you know what? Kind of forgot about the whole Missouri-Utah State game being a bit of a dud because it was a 7-10 game, and the 7 seed that I thought would lose ended up winning rather handily. Duke beat the crap out of Oral Roberts. No second Cinderella run for Oral Roberts. Texas beat the shit out of Colgate. We made the joke during our March Madness preview, Colgate and Vermont, those are the two teams that you always pick because you're used to seeing them in March Madness and they never win. This is Colgate's fourth trip to the tournament in a row and they have lost all four seasons and I think the closest one was like an eight-point defeat. They don't just lose, they get the crap beaten out of them and they got the crap beaten out of them by Texas in their first round matchup. Vermont plays tomorrow. I'm guessing Vermont's going to get the crap beat out of them by Marquette. Who else do we have here? Northwestern beat Boise in Sacramento. I thought Boise would win that game, so my bracket is doing not well on the 7-10 lines so far. We got, I think, is that all the games? Did I cover all of them? I got all the one seeds. We covered the two. We got all the eight nines and the one twos in there. We got Colgate losing. We got... Texas A&M later tonight. Uh, That game hasn't quite started yet at the time we're recording this, so I'm sure Penn State-Texas A&M will be a thrilling game that we can't miss in our analysis, even though we're probably going to end up skipping it in our analysis. What else do we have in the... uh, I think we got all the games. I think we covered all 16 games in some capacity here on this show. Yes, we did. We got through every single game here on the first day of March Madness, even if it was just to point out that Oral Roberts and Colgate both got smacked by Duke and Texas, respectively. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We've got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays. Make sure to leave a five-star review, a download, and continue to support all of our wonderful, wonderful work here on the show, including our brand new book. You can get our brand new book available now. It's a, it, there's links in the description to this episode. All of this, all of this support that you guys have shown us has been greatly, greatly appreciated and allows us to have cool moments like getting $10 tickets to watch a March Madness upset like we did today. So thanks for supporting our dreams, everybody. We'll talk to you again either this weekend or next week. Depends how good the March Madness is. And in the meantime, take it easy. Let's all go into the weekend and go into the March Madness viewing experience with a perfect Take It Easy podcast conclusion. Poorly edited audio 
recorded off my phone, live from Golden 1 Center, of the moment that the 15-seeded Princeton Tigers, who shot 16% from the three-point line, beat the two-seed Pac-12 champion Arizona Wildcats in the most March Madness moment of this year's entire March Madness. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.